0: Listening Fridays to the feature Times Like This on ROCT Radio in partnership with Luxembourg Times. So I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Helleth this morning. Good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. I'm good. You might have to slide closer to that mic just yeah. so we can hear you. That's great. Um, I'm good, thank you. Um, a number of stories that are interesting. Um, one in particular caught my eye, and this is uh, young people in Luxembourg leaving the country and basically not returning, going off to study and, uh, you know, deciding to stay abroad. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something that probably a lot of countries deal with, but the pointers are to something very, very specific here. The reasons...
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's basically young people from Luxembourg who go away to study and then you know they decide not to come back to live here. Um, so there's different different reasons basically, so you know some of the people that, that we interviewed said that there were better opportunities elsewhere, um, so for example there was an economics graduate who said that it would make no difference to her career prospects whether she worked in, Les- in Luxembourg or somewhere like Frankfurt for example. Um, and then a lot of the young people as well um, gave the reason of housing. the. Mm expensive housing in Luxembourg and the increasingly expensive housing Um, and also I mean we've written about this in the past as well that um, you know a lot of Luxembourgers are now choosing to live over the border in France, Germany or Belgium to be able to afford housing um, because you know they can they can't afford it here so, so that so some people are actually returning to work in Luxembourg but not
0: live in Luxembourg i some, guess some yes. of the young ones yeah yeah
1: um but actually since 1999 more luxembourgers have left than have come back okay
0: so the statistics show that there there is base, well brain drain or whatever you call it there there is a flux of people leaving exactly. and, and not and that's then because our population has grown so that's been taken up with um Let's say economic migrants like myself mm-hmm. um, coming into the country. Do you think it's been? I mean, if the things, for example, the housing logistics um, for housing, that is something that affects everybody, and it's a topic that runs on and runs on. Do you think this? You know, if this, bec- if, if the government becomes aware that they're 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 losing their own young people because of this, do you think it's going to make them take it more seriously? Do you think it'll make any difference? Is being any response to the government? <sighs> M- to the, because it was it was at Lisa who the static report that you are quoting
1: it, it, yeah it was a, um, a report from from Lisa that's the Luxembourg um, Institute of Socioeconomic research right in Belville yeah. right
0: uh, you know that's a that's a government organization as much as anything else you know if they're putting these stats forward in reports do you think the government are more likely to, to react because it's their own people that they're losing? rather no, than I think
1: you know as well a lot of the issue with housing though is you know the, a lot of investors are, are buying the, the the properties and so that is then causing a lot of a lot of speculation um, and that is basically driving that's a big factor towards yeah driving up the the market.
0: But that's <laughs> the reality is that's something that you can stop. You know, that's something that you can. The government could do something about, and there are all was these discussions about why they don't. You know, because as a liberal government, they just throw it to the market and let it happen. I mean, there are probably ways to to slow
1: that down, but then
0: yeah, (laughs) it it doesn't fit with their philosophy, perhaps.
1: Well, it would it would probably take a long time as well to undo. Yeah, undo the 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 situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, second story. Well, you have a story about the EU staff being attracted to. Uh, trying to attract EU staff to Luxembourg.
1: Yeah, exactly. So this has been a problem that's been going on for a long time, is um, recruiting staff to the EU institutions in Luxembourg, specifically in Luxembourg. Now, the problem is, is that those people are offered the same salary as those who work in institutions in Brussels except that the cost of living in Luxembourg is higher. And again, housing is is, is one of the, the, the main factors behind mm-hmm. that. Um, so what the institutions here are saying is that, you know, f- to make Luxembourg attractive, to make people want to come here to work for the institutions instead of for Brussels, then we're going to have to do something about about the salary. Um, now, this is an issue that's been going on for a long time, but the, the what's new here is that before the summer, uh, the European Commission has now you know made this a priority now there are meetings going on every month and now they're hoping um, the Commission is hoping to be able to come up with a proposal by the end of the year. Now in the last meeting um, which was in September um, one of the options that was put on the table was to give some of some of those people that you want to attract into Luxembourg to give them some sort of housing allowance. Um, so you know the option was like um new recruits, basically mm-hmm. who are on entry level salaries so well what what one person said was up to two thousand earning up to two thousand five hundred euros a month mm-hmm. that you would then give them a housing allowance mm-hmm. um, The issue with this though what the institutions are not not so keen on on, on this is that, you know, it's not fair across the board. It would, you know, mm-hmm. only only target new recruits.
0: Right, and there's people who've even
1: maybe just joined in the last
0: couple of years who would then be excluded from it. Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting that, I've, I mean, I've never looked into it, I just know it from people that I know, you know, so mm. hearsay and, and people. that I've met the the contracts that people have are quite quite different and although you you know and when you say they're monthly earning less than 2500 that's not a big salary in Luxembourg and you wouldn't necessarily think that's somebody working at the European Parliament and the other thing is the contracts people have
1: are are different there's temporary contracts and they can renew temporary contracts a lot yeah repeatedly I think they used to have um, a lot more permanent contracts. Right. And then over the past few years, you know, they've um, offered more and more temporary, so Mm -hmm. say for three years, and then they renew it for three years. Um, Which what I don't
0: understand is, you know, in Luxembourg, you can only do that what you can have a temporary contract and then it has to be made... You know, a, a permanent contract, you can do it once as a temporary yeah. contract, and yet they seem to do it roll on, roll on, roll on at the, the European institutions, which is surprising. Yeah, I think surprising. that's
1: fairly new, uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm not exactly yeah, sure exactly yeah. when it dates back to um, but previously they, they used to give out a lot more permanent contracts you mm-hmm. also have people who are um, contractuals as well, right. you know who are, who are not technically staff, right. if you like um, but yeah, they, they do have a a wide range of different contracts
0: now now they're saying you're saying in this article that housing isn't the only issue that a second source had said schooling mobility and training and career opportunities are also to be looked at is that something and who would be looking at that then um so it would be the commission that that would, would take it is it kind of interesting that that Asselborn I mean he was questioned and pretty much denied that there was any issue in terms of attracting people to Luxembourg.
1: Well, he said recently, you know, that there had been a huge increase in the number of people working at the EU institutions. Um, there was then a parliament- parliamentary question. So we had an article on a letter that was um, that was sent to the commission, mm-hmm. um, it, someone from Luxembourg, um, raising the issue, saying that it, it was a huge problem. And then, um, off the back of that there came a parliamentary question um to Asselborn and he said well you know there's been an an increasing number of of people joining the eu institutions in luxembourg um he he didn't answer then the exact numbers um but um but I mean yes there's been also you know for example at the eib there's been a a lot of recruitment Mm -hmm. um and he you know he had also taken that into consideration when when he was saying that right so it's Mm -hmm. not
0: quite the the target that they, they were talking about um Interesting, because a lot of it, those issues, you know, they affect everybody. It's not just for people at the parliament and the people coming in. You know, it's always, it's always a an question. And I mean, it's interesting, it ties in with what you're saying with the drain brain. I can only relate it to me personally. You know, I've got three kids who are living away. Mm-hmm. And the question is, will they come back?
1: you know and it's it's
0: you know i we consider ourselves a luxembourgish family Mm -hmm. and now because the kids are away you start to rethink things a little bit because if they don't come back what's the
1: point you know yeah um so all these things tie into each other exactly i think you know housing is is, yeah is at the core of all this but you know i think for the eu institutions the the issue here more is more sort of the difference with brussels Mm -hmm. you know what they're saying is that it's unfair that it's the same salary as brussels Mm -hmm. that's that's the point they're getting at,
0: right yeah, interesting. Um, another story you have is uh, relating to schooling in Luxembourg and there's done it, had a bit of a yeah, you've had a look at basically the dropout rate um, amongst young people. Um, so leaving school early was due to the multilingual school system. That's the main reason. Bad relationship with teachers, issues at home are being on discouraging pathways in the school system the Lisa Research Institute has found. Is that really different from anywhere else?
1: Well, so actually, the, you know, the percentage of pupils that dropped out of school last year in Luxembourg is 8%. Mm-hmm. So that is actually below the EU average. The right. EU average was 11%. And it's around it's around the same as France and Germany. Um, but then Luxembourg is higher than, for example, Nordic countries and the Netherlands. Just to give you an idea of, mm-hmm. you know, where it's standing. However, what this um, study does is it looks at why pupils drop out in Luxembourg. Right. And... Um, And yeah, so there were lots of different reasons. um, And in this study, they did um, like anonymous interviews with a lot of pupils uh, across Luxembourg to try and find out. Um, One of the reasons was the multilingual school system. Mm -hmm. So for example, you've got one person who was interviewed who said that um, he or she was not fluent in Luxembourgish and German, which made it then more difficult Mm -hmm. um, during primary school. Mm and, you know, that also sort of you know, ties in with what the education minister, Claude Meisch, he's always said that Luxembourg having relatively low PISA results is because pupils here um, do not necessarily speak those languages at home. And so they're doing their tests in a language, which is maybe their third, fourth, fifth language mm-hmm, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, um, this study actually shows that 83% of pupils in Luxembourg speak a different language at home. That is Sorry, high. what? percent of the pupils wow. they speak yeah. a different language at home to yeah. what they learn in in school. Uh-huh. Um, there were other other reasons as well. It's not just the the language issue. So there was, for example, bad relationships with teachers. Yeah. um just you know, pupils and teachers just not getting on, basically. Um, yeah I mean
0: those are the things that I think you know those are the things that I think are like you're going to get that everywhere if you ask a teenager I mean they'd be stupid not to say that that was a problem you know Um, it's just interesting when you look at the statistics you know and we're very similar to other countries it's like what's the issue but I think the issue is obviously if you look at how much money is spent per child on education Mm -hmm. and we're not doing better than we are you know and if you look at you know when you see Nordic countries the, the, the kids stay in school longer you've also got to then look at surely what it takes to to graduate you know do, do we mean baccalaureate or do we mean you know move, doing an apprenticeship or what does it actually mean in terms well, of it, staying in school. I mean it says you know leaving without qualification right. so whichever pathway you're on basically. Mm. Um, but they all have all these countries have different different qualifications you know yeah, and a high school diploma. Yeah. Like in, America, in the States, for example, is different too. And I think the, the Nordic countries is more of um, mm-hmm. that sort of system where you ha- you graduate that high school rather than do a, a, a baccalaureate that's maybe, you know, international or European baccalaureate, which is, is different, you know. So yeah, I think,
1: yeah. But I remember as well recently, I think, um, I can't remember which city it was exactly, but um, the, um, they had said that, there were very few pupils per classroom in Luxembourg right. compared to the rest of the EU. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that
0: all goes to you know towards looking at the cost of, you know, we should be doing better relative to the investment per, per pupil, and mm-hmm. why not? And I think it is important to ask these questions, like what what is actually causing... Yeah,
1: well, like I said, I think, you know, Maish has repeatedly said in the past that the language issue, the fact that, that pupils are not studying in their native language, mm-hmm. um, is...
0: Which they are addressing, I guess, with these new international schools, where yeah. you can stream, you know, you can be alphabeticised, is that the word—in um, different languages, which obviously wasn't the case. And these are not; these are public schools now. These are mm. not private schools, yeah. so they are trying to address the issue in that. In yeah. That also,
1: I think um, they put in place the. Um, plurilingual crashes as well you right. know now they give those free 20 hours in crash if they teach them luxembourgish and that is supposed to then um, prepare them better mm-hmm. for the german in primary school right yeah yeah
0: okay another interesting article you had um too old to start up
1: get yeah, away from so the young
0: people going towards the old people but it was interesting looking at people who are you know maybe 50 and over yeah, who started exactly. their own business
1: yeah so this is actually um, an article that was written for our latest magazine it was mm-hmm. out just i uh, think a week or two weeks ago mm-hmm. um, so this is one of those articles and yeah we basically spoke to six people who are around 50 who had left a corporate job to set up their own business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just as an example, you've got their like former big four staff, you've got a HR executive, you've got someone from the Luxembourg Green Exchange from Amazon who who left those jobs after years of being in those jobs um, and set up a startup. So, you know, you've got a FinTech company, got one who set up a dating website for older people, for example. So, you know, branching out into something completely different. Um, and, yeah, they were just, you know, t- kind of, you know, saying what it was like, what they miss, what they what they don't miss. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, you know, to name a few things, I mean, the, you know, someone's saying that when you're in a startup, you can feel quite lonely. You obviously mm-hmm. don't yes. have that contact with colleagues. Yeah. You don't have a chat, a coffee yeah. or anything like that. Um, you don't get invited to events. Yeah. Um you earn less money as well than the more stable income in a in a, a, a big corporation, right? Um, but then, you know, they were saying, for example, well, you work when you have to. So, you know, if it's sunny this afternoon and you don't have to work, you could yeah. choose to go sit be outside. with kids or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just interesting, you know, to hear how they, yeah, how they described. The I mean, I think it is, in,
0: it is interesting because you would t- tend to think, you know, entrepreneur, young person who just always wanted to have their own business or whatever. Whereas when you think about it, I mean, somebody who has the experience and has the skills gained from corporate Mm. um they take all that with them and all that knowledge with them and possibly you know have a bit of a cushion financially when when they go um Mm. to start up a business you know if you're doing it late 40s 50s um it kind of makes sense in a way um because you may be fed up with what you had before you know the the um Yeah, the nine to five or whatever. It's not nine to five, is it? They're all going to be screaming. We go until nine (laughs) o'clock at night or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, you've got the security of maybe having a little bit more money uh, as a cushion. Yes. Um, You've got the experience that you've you've garnished over the years, and you're just it's like now or never. You know, I've got to just do it now, or I forget this idea completely um so I think it's quite it's quite interesting to see that it was very
1: positive at, at, you know yeah, article in that yeah. Sense. I think one of them said actually that you know the the fact that she had experience mm-hmm. was a great plus and I think for the her. other yeah. thing is
0: you know you're doing it at late 40s 50s you still will get a corporate if you've got all that experience behind you you know if you decide that it's not for you or the pandemic I'm sure has hot, hit a lot of people that maybe yeah. were about to start a business it has made it m- maybe not completely nixed things, but made it much more difficult. You know, you've had a Mm -hmm. two year lull in things. Those corporate jobs will still be there, I'm sure, for those people. So, exactly. you know, yeah. it's, well, it's nothing I think, that should stop them.
1: Yeah, I think one of them said that actually, you know, that, yeah, you can always go back to a corporate job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they were talking about the experience, but also, you know, that you, you kind of go back to the beginning, you know, you end up sort of buying your own staples and posting your own letter yeah, at yeah, the yeah. post office. Whereas, you know, that's something you do at the beginning of your career rather than, you know, if you've worked your way up, for example, the HR executive you know uh-huh. um yeah. so yeah it was just interesting to say how to see how you know they were describing that and a mixture of everything then. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. No, very true. I thought it was very, it was very interesting and I think it can be probably quite humbling from some, for some people as well when you're, yeah. I mean, I I, uh, I, did get a phone call from someone very close to me who basically did what this article said, uh, called me and said, what do you do about tech problems? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, here's the number of the person I call. Don't call me again. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're used to in a big company. You just call the tech department. You exactly. Know, when you're on your own yeah, things
1: yeah. go down, you're on your own. Yeah. But well anyway. in any case like they all said that they had no regrets
0: yeah so. no it was very positive article i thought it was good um so last last story maybe about watchdog to keep a tighter leash on fintech um I guess that's something that that is self-evident, but who would be the regulatory body here, for example, in Luxembourg for
1: fintech? Is it the same as any bank? So what's a bit more complicated about fintech is that it's finance and technology. So that's where the sort of grey area comes in. Right. Um, So whereas, you know, for for finance, it would be the CSSF. But but here um, you've got finance and technology. So the European Banking Authority and some other bodies now are working on guidelines that the European Commission might use Mm -hmm. as rules then for fintech. And what that means is that if they do come into place, then um, fintech companies could be under tighter scrutiny.
0: Right, interesting. very good i think we're out of time on that one anyway i mean it does the article does mention an interesting uh scandal with wirecard a german company and i had to read about that uh last night to see what it was all about but if anybody's interested, interesting they can go read it themselves because we're kind of out of time but um it is it is interesting that you're looking at that because i guess they're as you say i mean it's cryptocurrencies uh fintech companies you know it's a big discussion at the moment as who who is going to be the regulatory body and how are these you know, industry is going to be regulated. So I guess Mm -hmm. it's a story that we'll keep on giving. Exactly, yes. Hella, thank you so much. We are out of time, so I'm going to have to crack on. Um, But thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you very much. And we hopefully will see you again soon. Yes. Speak soon. Bye.